Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of other people who do as well. We've learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame about their experiences makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. So sometimes when we talk with someone about their depression for this podcast, they say something that we know will stick with us and help us understand the whole arena of mental health and mental illness and mood disorders and our lives a little better. That was the case when John described depression in terms of a balance sheet that had an autofill feature for all of your faults and failings and an auto-delete feature for all of your gifts and your sense of self-worth. Or when Michael taught us the need to learn to accept what you hate the least in a discussion about medications and side effects. Or how Renee modeled continuing to look for the treatments and therapies that will work for you, instead of getting so discouraged that we give up when the first ones we try don't. Today's guest, Davey, shares a number of memorable phrases one of which we used to title this episode. It's really hard to fix something that's broken with something that's broken. Davey reached out to us after listening to and learning from previous guests' stories. He hopes his story can connect with someone listening, someone who needs to know there are others out here who are going through similar things. Here is Davey giving his voice to depression. There's an aspect of having depression that doesn't get mentioned or addressed much, and that's the need of some to completely redefine themselves after being taken down by the illness. Such is the case for Davey. When I sat and, you know, felt discouraged and defeated because I was such a hard worker, I was like, I was a good worker and I was a go-to guy. I mean, the bosses could count on me. But when, when, when I hit the wall, like I was done, and, and that really bothers me. Like so many of us, when Davy hit that wall, he had no idea what the heck that wall even was. It was in uh, 2017. Like, I, I've learned a lot about it since I've really been uh, um, debilitated with it. Um, I was exhausted all through that year. Like, I just, I really felt like I had some kind of a blood disorder, and I thought, you know, if uh, if that's what it's going to take me out, know, like do it because like i'm just tired and uh but it wasn't going fast enough so finally by november the 17th i i went to my doctor and i said you know i can't do life anymore i'm done like it's everything in my head just races and uh there's no rest i'm exhausted davy who's been lucky enough to have a team of competent caring doctors and therapists while on disability says he now applies his work ethic to a different challenge I've mentioned to my counselor about that, about how hard work I really was. And she says, you know, 
I fully believe you're that hard at work because I see how you work in this fighting depression. And I guess I really just do. I just fight it. I mean, things I'll do, things I'll, I'll try to make up in my head. Like, you know, you'll wake up and you want to lay there in the morning and you don't want to get up, right? And I say, you know what? If you can just get out of bed, you can run from that monster for a little while. It might only be a half an hour or an hour, but you can at least run from him for a while, right? And it might be longer. Uh, I mean, these are things that are just they do to keep me going. Davey has also learned to apply that measured approach to time to projects he undertakes. And, and another thing that I've, I've learned is um, because I was a workhorse, and now when I, when I go and do something, and I, I've, been, I've been coached on this, is, you know, stop when you can only do a little bit of an hour project or, or whatever, because you'll get a little bit of a dopamine high. So I, I grab that and I go with it, and it does. I mean, it's, it's not an outstanding buzz by any means, but it does give you a little feeling of, of good inside, if, if that makes any sense. Accomplishment, yeah. Just a little bit, you know, and don't because I've been told if I try to go and try to do too much, that little bit of a dopamine high that I get will turn into a discouragement, like you because you overwhelm yourself. So these are the kinds of things I've tried to learn and listen to. I'm a guy when I go for an appointment, I take notes and I make notes because I I value what they tell me, right? Um, just because I'm. I'm doing my best to survive on this, right? Another thing Davey has learned from his therapists is the idea of a tool for time. The thing that works to help us today may not be the same one that works tomorrow, or even later today, which is why, he says, we need to cultivate a number of self-care techniques for the bad times. Well, they'd be different for everybody else than they are for me, but... A tool for a time can be a little hard that you'll take and work on that, uh, for me, I'm speaking for myself, I'm sure I'm not telling you, uh, that I will take and work on for myself, um, uh, that you can just take your mind off reality in life. It's something that, like I can sit and play a guitar for a while, and sometimes I'll find myself playing hard and too fast, and it's good and it's bad. It's bad for the tune, but it's good because some of my anxiety is running out through my hands, right? It's just a little tool for a time that I've found that helps me a lot, right? Don't don't figure it's going to work forever. Uh, but if it's not, there'll be another little. Think about another little tool for a time. Another of Davy's mental health management tools is another hobby: restoring vintage chainsaws. In addition to offering a good distraction and a chance to use his skills, it also provides a wonderful metaphor that helps him better understand his depression and anxiety. Here's the strangest thing. When I took the first one apart, it had got hot and seized. And I took it apart, and the reason I got hot and seized was because it was sawdust and oil and, and just garbage that had filled and plugged the head up. I thought to myself, isn't that interesting? The head is this thing has caused this thing to seize. And I think I look at myself and think, my head, you know? It's full of sawdust and oil and grime, and there's not good air getting through that. I mean, it, just, it just leaped at me, you know? And that was a, such a help for me, right? Uh, does that sound bizarre? It doesn't sound at all bizarre. It sounds, uh, it's enlightening. I, th- I think it's great. You're very insightful. Well, you know, that's why I wanted to share, maybe help someone else at all. I, I don't believe it about myself. I don't believe a lot of good about myself, but I've been told that by the professional help that I have, that you, you have something to offer someone else. So I tell you, if I can do that, I'll do it, right? So mm-hmm. I thought I'll just uh, sit here and tell you what I can. 
Have you ever spoken publicly about your depression before? Uh, no, ma'am. No, I, I no. Thank you for trusting me. Uh, I like the reality of your your posts, uh, your podcasts. You know, um, it's the real people. It's it's not the psychologist telling you what you need to do. It's people telling you what what's going on in their head, right? You're it's hand to hand combat with that ugly disease, right? And I just keep fighting the best I can with it. One of the things Davy has learned in his years of combat with depression is how incredibly unhelpful so-called helpful advice can be. Here's how he's learned to discourage it. And, you know, like, for me, I, I found, I tried to tell people, like, uh, well-meaning people say, uh, you know, if you can do this and if you can do that. And I, and I said, you know, I try to compare it like this. If you had, uh, let's say you had really bad stomach flu and you're laying in bed sick, and someone's making chicken soup on the stove, and we know everybody loves chicken soup, and chicken soup's good for you. But if you took a spoonful of it, you'd throw up, right? I try to explain to them, that's why I am inside me with your ideas and telling me to read this or do that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying your help isn't good, but I can't take it right now, and that's exactly what would happen. I would throw it up, right? I don't know if that's descriptive enough to help people understand, but that's really what I would like that I've tried to tell people without being... Um, you know how we can get with uh, when people are telling us what we need to do and we want to just say, live in my head for a day or a week and see how you then try to tell me that. They'd never make it a week. They'd be pounding to get out. Yeah, and I thought, you know, the chicken soup was at least a kind way to tell them and maybe really get they could really get the idea because everybody's had stomach flu, right? At least I think everybody would, can, can relate to that anyways. I would hope they would. It's an admittedly graphic way to communicate that advice has got to come at a time we can stomach it. We've learned from many podcast guests that those conversations are easier to have when we're well and are best approached in more of a, hey, when you're feeling or acting like you do when you're fill-in-the-blank, anxious, depressed, whatever, what could I do that would be helpful and supportive and that you could digest, right? Those of us who live with these conditions are more likely to know what works for us than someone with no experience battling our particular enemy. Especially someone like Davey, who's actually made it his job to understand his illness. Uh, Is the depression, it it messes you up for trying to stay focused and concentrate, and it leaves its scars, eh? Um, And, you know, that was the thing when I... When I kept battling, I hoped maybe in six months it would go away. And then first it was six weeks, then it was six months. And I hoped maybe they say, well, sometimes two years. But it kept hanging around. And I thought, I, I got to learn more about this thing because it's, it's dangerous for me. It's, it's, it's dangerous. And I've got to learn this enemy better than I know it now. And that's why I've, I've tried to research and, and understand it as much as I can. Uh, so that I know what it's lies. But, and I know it's, it could sound like a very done deal. Like, uh, okay, so you know that it lies to you. And you just have to blow that off and not listen. But then I go back to the thing, well, I know, I understand that. But again, I'm fixing something that's broken here with something that's broken. So i got to go back and work on it again, right? I keep I keep yes. telling myself that. That i got to keep I keep working on this. I mean, it's a challenge and I... And I think I've accepted the challenge instead of letting it beat me down. I think I'm trying to accept that challenge uh, day by day. You are tough. Uh, it's a tough, tough enemy, eh? 
Yes, it is. I know that when I had my worst depression, which is what led me to start this podcast, I'd had it before. I knew what I should have known. I could have known. I don't want to shoot myself what it was. I'd actually been on antidepressants before and been to therapy before. I acted like this was brand new and I had no idea. And I didn't even recognize it as an illness. It was, as you say, just me. Just me. I had just lost my worth. And I'm stunned by that because I'm not any genius, but I'm also not an idiot. And I did not get it. I did not understand that this was a medical thing. No, I didn't either. I thought I was going to be like, just a, an odd guy that just can't do life, right? I, I had no idea that depression was such a legitimate illness. But once I was diagnosed, I thought, you know what? I, I'm not hiding anymore. I'm not going to hide this. Uh, I, I battle it. And, and uh, it's as real as cancer or any other diseases out there. If you're listening and you're in that awful place of thinking that what and how you're feeling is unique to you because you are worthless or a burden, or that from now on you're always going to feel how you do right now, please skip some really painful steps and consider that what's going on in you may in fact be a common and treatable medical condition, a legitimate illness. Because I know it'll just slam you against a rock, so it will for me. Some little thing will happen that will trigger an anxiety thing will happen, it will trigger depression, and it's, wham, uh, it, it hits really hard. Uh, that's something I've, I've learned, tried to learn, too, with help, is is to limit my things that, that trigger my anxiety, that trigger my depression. Um, like, I have social anxiety as well, major depressive disorder. So if I can keep a handle on uh, my anxiety, it helps to, to curb some depression things, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's a learning thing. It's, uh, it's a battle today and see how it works tomorrow for me. When you talk about being slammed on the rocks, how often does that happen to you? How often would you say you are, you know, quote, in depression? More than I care to think about. Uh, it, it happens a lot. Like I had a, today's Wednesday. Money was going pretty good. And then some little things in life it shouldn't bother most people, and it, but it hit me so hard. Uh, I magnify it, and I and I spin things into a catastrophe, and that's something I'm trying to stop doing. But uh, it, but it happens a lot. I, I don't get a I don't get a weekend where I'm not having like struggles. Eh? Does that answer your question? Yes, and it has to be so hard. I feel that, and I feel for you, and I'm sorry. Well, thanks. Um, you know, this helps. To, to, to know that maybe I might have said something that's helped someone else, it gives me my purpose. It's like I donate blood, and that gives me purpose. It doesn't feed my ego. It feeds my purpose. And I, you know, I can grab my phone and look at it and say, i got another 30 days, and I can donate blood. That could potentially help three people live. That's a big help to me. It's, it's my medication. Is there anything when you reached out about your boots-on-the-ground struggle story um, that you haven't said that you want somebody listening to to know uh, about living with depression? Um, I honestly think, uh, and I want to say this, even, even if I don't believe it myself 100% yet, but I want to say that depression is a winnable battle. 
it's it's winnable. No matter how ugly and dark it is, it's winnable. And not only is it winnable, you'll be a better person in society. And then Davy paused for a moment, thought, and rephrased his closing comment. Uh, um, maybe, um, maybe I'm, when I say winnable, maybe a person will learn to live with it uh, and to cope with it uh, and gather more tools for time as they go along, more tools in their toolbox for them. Um, but it, I hope I'm making sense what I'm trying to say here. That to wake up and say one day, well, maybe my depression will just be gone. Well, that'd be wonderful if that happens for you. And, but even if it doesn't, um, learn the tools to live with it because it makes you, uh, we need more caring people in society, more real people. We can, everybody can have a superficial conversation. They can have them all day long, but what good are they most of the time, right? It puts, uh, it puts quality in a person. Uh, this is what, just just what I believe. Um, uh, the, the ugliness of it. Do you? Do you? Excuse me. Go ahead. I just that the, the there there is payoffs for the ugliness of it because being a more useful, helpful person uh, it means something. I think. How does the ugliness make you more useful and helpful? Well. Um, People maybe know that what you deal with is uh, something that's been uh, kind of not talked about. So maybe they could feel more comfortable to talk to you. Uh, look, I got two ears and one mouth, right? We, we listen. But that's a big help. People, like I said, people will just listen. They say, you know, I, I get it. I understand. Like, uh, I'm not going to judge you or, or just stay away from the you just need tos. You, you know what I mean by them? Yes. You just need to. Well, you just need to. Yeah. Well, I, I just need to stay away from most people. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he laughed. I do too. We do need to stay away from the you just need tos. Absolutely. And a tough enemy indeed. Mm-hmm. And learning to live with it or redefine or change, maybe even. Um, cultivate our relationship to it can create compassion and empathy for others and hopefully for ourselves. I love the way he put it. He said it puts quality in a person. And I, yeah. we've heard many people sort of say that it has made them more empathetic or more less judging, you know, those sorts of things. But it puts quality in a person. I really like that. Yeah. And you'll be a better person for society. Yeah. All very, very hopeful. And that chainsaw is such a visual for me, not just a metaphor, but, you know, seeing that kind of gunky composite of sawdust and oil and residue and just gunk and how it would just get in there and stop everything from working. Mm-hmm. Just, ugh. And that's a machine that you can take apart and blow and, you know, use cleaners on and stuff it's a little trickier when it's our minds absolutely and i think by seeing it with your eyeballs it really makes it real right whereas we're all like oh <laughs> yeah well, there's no x-ray for it you can't see it yeah it it was a I, I loved this conversation and i loved what we called it and what he said it's really hard to fix something broken with something that's broken 
And I think that's one of those phrases, as we said in the open, that will stick with us. Yeah. Keep working on it day by day. Keep battling it. Before we close, I want to ask once again for help with a future episode we're going to do in the new year about the things that depression tells us about ourselves. I did ask Davey, so I've got his comments for a future that future episode. But if you could record just a voice memo on your phone, what depression tells you about you, and send it to me. Email it to Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, at givingvoicetodepression.com. Or go to our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, and there's a widget button for record a message. Just click that, speak your truth of what depression tells you about you. It'll take you just really less than a minute maybe, and it would be super helpful for all of us. It can be anonymous. You don't have to say who you are or leave your email or anything. So thank you to anyone who's willing to help with that. Thank you to Davey for sharing your story and the things you've learned from good therapists and doctors, which we're all, not all lucky enough to have. So really, I'm grateful for your time. And I would like to add not just great support that he's made happen, but he is really showing up and working it. And I think it takes both. That's true. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.